in 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. The apostle John said, And he that keepeth God's commandments dwelleth in him, and he, God, in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given to us. The Apostle John talked to us about keeping God's commandments. What are God's commandments? I have met some New Testament church people that didn't think we had to keep any commandments. They just thought that we're saved by the blood of Jesus and then we do nothing. We basically can do anything we want to and are forgiven by God. That is really a false doctrine. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, at verse 26, it says, If we sin willfully after the knowledge of the truth, there is no more sacrifice for sins. Jesus would have to die twice after we've already received the knowledge of the truth if we go out and sin willfully. But I have. I have met people who go to churches, Christian-type churches, who think that after we, so to speak, join the church and acknowledge Jesus as being Lord, that we don't have to do anything from that point on. That is totally incompatible with the Bible. The Apostle John saying, He that keepeth God's commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. And John also said that if we keep his commandments, we know that we love him, that we love God. So what are his commandments? Some people think they are the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. That's not really correct. Certainly we don't go out and kill people. We do not murder. And there are many of the Ten Commandments which we do follow. But we follow them by the Spirit of God. In the days of the Old Testament, they didn't have the Spirit of God except for the prophets. The other people had to go to the prophets to find out what to do. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians 5, what does that mean, walking in the Spirit? Well, it means that the Holy Spirit lives in us, brings to our mind things that we should do, and we do those things. The Holy Spirit would never lead us to commit adultery or fornication. That would not be love. He would never lead us to do those things. If we walk in the Spirit, doing the things of the Spirit of God as he directs in each of the situations of this present life. If we do that, we're not going to be committing adultery or fornication because that would not be walking in love. And the Spirit of God would always lead us to do the things of the Scriptures, the New Testament Scriptures. And there's no place in the New Testament Bible that anyone is approved to do Adultery or fornication, that would hurt people. So we're not going to be doing that if we walk in the Spirit. 
And by walking in the Spirit, we fulfill the law. We don't go by the letter of the law, but we walk in the Spirit doing what He says. We're going to fulfill the law because it's not incompatible with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never direct us to do something opposite to Scripture. New Testament Scripture, there are many things in the New Testament which are commandments of the Lord. One of which Paul spoke in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. The introduction to that verse is so interesting. Let's look at it. Paul says, verse 10, And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. Paul is saying, This is a commandment of the Lord. It's not my own opinion. And he goes on to tell us what this commandment of the Lord is. Verse 10. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. Now that's a commandment of the Lord. Paul says very clearly that this is a commandment of the Lord. Let's read that again. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled unto her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. There are commandments of the Lord in Titus concerning elders, concerning what an elder is to be. Many churches violate this. But this is the commandment of the Lord concerning elders in the church. The Apostle Paul says to Titus, Titus 1 verse 4, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 5, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things which are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless. In the Bible, in the New Testament Bible, elder and bishop are the same thing. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, to money, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, 
he's speaking of in the church, especially they of the circumcision, meaning the Jews that were in the church. Considering the rules set by God for elders, bishops, let's look at this again. Verse 6, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children. During the early 80s or mid-70s to early 80s, I was attending a church in Dallas, Word of Faith, Robert Tilton as pastor. And one of the elders at that church group was a divorced man who was not even married. He had one child by his first wife. It violated everything in verse 6. They had him as an elder, I believe, because his business was to put together money people. Like if you wanted to buy a shopping center, his business was to find the money people who could become partners to purchase the business or the shopping center. He dealt in money, and I think that's why they had him as elder, because they wanted to build church buildings and get money. But he violated the principles set forth in in Titus chapter 1, verse 6, for being an elder. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children. We know that the apostle Peter had multiple children. Because Peter was an elder, and this is one of the requirements for being an elder. They had to have faithful children. They had to have children who demonstrated the faith. For it says, if a man know not how to control his own house, how can he be expected to control the church of God? Paul wasn't married. He would not have been able to be an elder by the rules set forth in the Bible, the rules of God in the New Testament church. Peter was an elder. We know he had one wife and we know he had faithful children. We know Peter had a mother-in-law because there's a section of scripture where they went to Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick and Jesus healed her and she waited on them after she was healed. We know Peter was married and had faithful children, multiple children. These are things in the New Testament Bible that we have to recognize are the commandments of the Lord for the church. In Matthew 5, 32, Jesus said, The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I've never heard that taught at any church I have ever attended since I was born again, which was 1975 till now. I've never heard that taught at a church. But I read it in the Bible. I read Jesus saying, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I read in Mark 10, Jesus telling the church people, if a man divorces his wife and goes out and marries another woman, He commits adultery unless the wife has been unfaithful. Matthew 5.32 
In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, And the woman who divorces her husband and marries another man commits adultery. These are rules for the New Testament church. Without the New Testament Bible, we wouldn't know what to do. But these are commandments of the Lord for us to follow in the New Testament church. In Romans 1.26, we read that because of the things they were doing, God turned them over to vile affections so that women went against nature and chased after other women and men lusted after other men. So we know homosexual and lesbian pursuits are against God and it was God who turned them over to vile affections because that's exactly what it says in Romans chapter 1. Homosexuals and lesbians' pursuit of same-sex are vile affections. You can read it for yourself. Romans chapter 1, start at verse 26 and read the next three verses. These are rules for the New Testament church. The ones who follow the Word of God in the New Testament love God. The ones who explain the Scriptures away are Antichrist. You're either one or the other. But if you love God, you pursue His Word, and you adjust your thinking to His Word to agree with Him. Another concept of God, James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. There was a woman that was at our house one day, She came in my room to visit me. She attends a Catholic church. She wanted to know what I thought about lesbians and homosexuals. She saw some very colorful wristbands, which I had gotten to support my wrist because both of my wrists had been broken through falls. And I sometimes wear these wristbands. And when I showed her my tennis wristbands, She said, does this mean you approve homosexuals and lesbians? And I was stunned. What do tennis wristbands have to do with homosexuals and lesbians? And I said, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I was so shocked. That's the only thing I could say to her. I went back to Amazon to see if there was anything at all in the description of those wristbands, which would imply homosexuals and lesbians. There was not. Later, I saw a picture of homosexuals and lesbians in a parade, and they were waving a flag with pastel-colored bands through the flag. And I think that she must have associated my wristbands with that flag and thought, well, maybe I supported homosexuals and lesbians. Uh, Well, I don't. I agree with God on what he said. God turned them over to vile affections. See, we agree with the Bible. 
At the judgment seat of Christ, we will be judged by the word of God in the New Testament. We will be judged by whether or not we agree with God. This is going to be a very fearful time at the judgment seat of Christ because many people who go to churches do not agree with the scriptures on the subjects that I've just mentioned. They don't believe that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Why, they let men marry divorced women all the time. They're in the church. They let divorced women remarry. They don't agree with these scriptures about divorced women that I have read to you today. They do opposite. At the judgment seat of Christ, we will each be judged by that which we do on this earth, whether good or bad. Well, we're not going to be approved at the judgment seat of Christ unless we agree with the scriptures in the New Testament Bible because those are inspired by God and we get do our doctrine by those scriptures. Well, many churches don't, but that's what we follow. The first church I ever tried to attend after becoming born again was a non-denominational church in Dallas. They had teachers from Dallas Theological Seminary as their pastors. When I started going there, they were teaching that tongues are of the devil. They would certainly not have approved tongues in any way. I didn't care because I didn't even know what a tongue was to begin with. But one day I was reading the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says, Covet to prophesy, he said, and forbid not to speak in tongues. That's down at the end of the chapter. Well, the church I had been attending were forbidding you to speak in tongues, and they were teaching tongues are of the devil. Now, I have a choice I have to make. I can't do both. I either have to agree with the Bible and stop going to that church or put aside the Bible and go to that church. My best friend went to that church. Her husband went to that church. I told my best friend, I said, Donna, I've seen this scripture in the Bible where Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues. She said, where is that? She, she was driving the car. We were going down the highway. She pulled the car off the side of the road. I looked it up in a little tiny Bible, pocket-sized Bible, New Testament that I had in my purse. And I said, here it is. And she looked at it and she said, that is what it says. Well, the church we were attending were forbidding you to speak in tongues. And Paul said, don't forbid someone to speak in tongues. So we went to her house where she had every, well, many of the translations of the Bible. She said, I'm going to look this up in every translation and see what it says. Every translation said the same thing. Forbid not to speak with tongues, and they were teaching at the church we were attending. They were teaching the opposite. I said, well, I'm not going back to that church. And she said, well, I'm not going back either. I don't know how she handled this with her husband, but she didn't go back. We are responsible for that which is in the New Testament Bible. And if a church goes in an opposite way, we can't stay there. 
or otherwise we're going to be judged with them. And I can tell you what it says their judgment will be. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll look at, I believe it begins at verse 10. Earlier in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul has been talking about in the end times, apostasy will come into the church. He calls it the falling away. And he says Jesus can't come until this falling away occurs. It was already happening in the churches in Paul's day, but it would increase greatly toward the end times. We see it everywhere today. Churches falling away from Scripture. God said to me in 1982, the falling away that Paul is talking about are not people leaving churches. The falling away are churches leaving the Scriptures. We see it everywhere. All kinds of denominations where they teach certain things in each one of these opposite to what the New Testament Bible teaches. That's the falling away. And here's the penalty. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Well, when Donna and I saw that, that this church we were attending was teaching the opposite to the Bible, we didn't stay there. We left. We received the love of the truth of 1 Corinthians 14. But they don't. Many of the churches today are antichrist, apostate, going the opposite way from portions of the New Testament scripture. And it says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's verse 12. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be judged by the New Testament Bible, by what the Word of God says in the New Testament Bible. Please look at Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture is given for this purpose. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We all have New Testament Bibles. That is the way we see the rules of God for the New Testament church. At the judgment seat of Christ, those of us who agree with what God says in the New Testament Bible and live accordingly, we're going to be approved by God.
and those who cast aside portions of Scripture will receive a very, very fearful fate. Though they attend church constantly, they're staying in apostate churches because of the pleasure that it gives them. It makes them look righteous to other people. It's their social life. It's a great pleasure to be in those places because of the dinners and the associations and the way it makes you appear. But if you're going against Scripture and that church group is doing something against Scripture, you put yourself in the path for a fierce judgment of God. Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, when he told about we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged by what we do in this body. Paul said in the next verse of Scripture, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The wrath of God comes upon this earth in the end time because of the wickedness in the churches and the world. And God will destroy this current heaven and earth because of that wickedness. But he's prepared a new heaven and new earth for the elect of God, for those who cling to Scripture and follow him. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 10 through 14, about the destruction of the earth. Revelation 21 tells about the new heaven and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Each of us have to make choices, and we have to conform ourselves to the holy scriptures of the New Testament Bible. For if we go any other way, We're going to suffer loss and possibly even suffer damnation at the judgment seat of Christ. This is truth. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.